Hi everyone, thanks so much for joining us today. Today's message is the last part in Pastor Nick Davies' series, One Peace. This message was given during our Wednesday evening prayer service on March 17th, 2021. Our Wednesday evening prayer services are a great way to spend time in God's Word and in prayer for one another. If you have any requests you would like us to pray for, we would encourage you to come out at 645 each Wednesday. Our other services are Sunday at 10.30 a.m. and Sunday at 7 p.m. If you have not yet subscribed, please do. And when you do, you will receive a notification each time we post a new message, and will always be up to date. We hope this encourages you in your relationship with Christ, and if it does, we would love to connect with you in person sometime. But for now, grab your Bible, open your ears, and let's get into it. Now, there's a fine line that can easily be crossed on what I'm preaching about tonight, and so I want to be clear right off the bat that I'm not going to be crossing that line. It's easy to say that when you sow sin, bad stuff happens to you. And when you sow obedience to God, a bunch of good stuff happens to you. But that's not always going to be the case. We who are followers of Jesus, we still live in this sin-stained world. We still experience bad stuff each and every day because, as I like to say, we deal with people. And people's lives are messy and people are broken. So to say that every time you do something bad, something bad's happening around the corner, or when you do a bunch of good stuff, or when you tithe money to the church, that you're going to receive it tenfold and everything's going to come back and be perfect for you, that's really just the prosperity gospel. It's not true. Really, it's a works-based salvation. You do this, you get that. You do good things, you get heaven. But that's not what the God of the Bible promised to us. That's not at all what we see. When you or I are connected to Jesus, we are expected to bear fruit that matches our Savior. We're expected to look like Jesus. Um, I was originally going to share a little bit of an illustration, so I'll make an abridged version of it because I took it out. Um, But if you plant a zucchini seed, what do you expect to get whenever that plant grows? A zucchini, not a tomato. If you plant a tomato seed, you get a tomato. If you're expecting, when you plant a zucchini seed, to get a tomato, you're not a very good gardener really don't understand how that works. But what I'm going to be talking about tonight is not sowing and reaping external rewards. What I'm talking about tonight is sowing and producing fruit. It's sowing and producing fruit in our own lives. So to make sure we have enough time, let's get right into it. Turn with me to John chapter 5, and we're going to look at verse 4 and Six. This is going to be our launching point for the rest of the evening. In John chapter 5, verse 4, it says, Nope, this, ain't, this isn't the right chapter. <laughs> I said I was going to do this so that we had time, but now I'm not even in the right chapter. Is it John 15? That might be it. Hey, that is right. Thanks, Dave. I forgot the one. That changes everything. 
Uh, one number, man, it can really throw you off. So John 15, verse 4 and 5. Appreciate that. It says this, Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye, except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. If you are a child of God, you are grafted into the vine that is Jesus. You dwell rooted in Him. And He has given His Spirit to you to dwell within you. And so, that being the case, this passage tells us that we are expected to bear fruit that matches the vine in which we are connected to. Like a tomato bears tomato fruit and a zucchini bills, er, produces zucchini fruit. I don't know if zucchini is a fruit. I think it's a vegetable. But a tomato is a fruit, technically. Um, what I mean by that is that our lives should look like Jesus. If we are part of Him, our lives should look like Jesus. Our lives should be characterized by obedience to Him and to Him alone. As Scripture says, you can only serve one Master. As I mentioned above, it would be a travesty for me to err and to preach a prosperity gospel tonight. I won't do it. It's a false gospel. Some do it, and unfortunately, it is to their demise. Galatians 1, 6-8, and we're going to be in Galatians a little bit later tonight, says this, Which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. So as we get into tonight, I want to start off with the first main point. That you and I have peace in trial. Now we've talked about that a little bit here and there throughout this entire series on peace. But you and I have peace in trial because we have peace with God. But peace with God does not create a mini personal utopia. Now, a lot of people might falsely believe that when you accept Christ as your Savior, life is just going to be perfect. <laughs> Y'all know that's not right. If things are going wrong, then you're just not being good enough. Or you have a sin in your life that needs to be rooted out. Now, that can be the case. You may have sin in your life that's causing disruption and disturbance in your walk with Jesus. But that's not always necessarily the case. But let's look at a passage that we've looked at before in this series. Just one chapter over in John 16. Turn to the end of, end of the chapter and look at verse 33. These things I have spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace. In the world ye shall, ye shall have great tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Now on other nights, our focus has been really the last few words of this verse. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. That's, a, that's good news, isn't it? Absolutely. But sometimes, people get hung up on what precedes it. Look at it again. Look at it again. Uh, right there in the middle of the verse, it says, In the world ye shall have tribulation. It's definite. Jesus is talking to a bunch of believers, and he declares that they will 
indeed have tribulation. How can this be? They're faithfully following him. Why aren't their lives going to be cushy? Doesn't it say that somewhere? No. For the time being, you and I, we still live in a sin-stained world. We still experience pain, suffering, death. Maybe you say to yourself, but uh, I don't want to. Or just take me home. I'm, I'm done with this world. Maybe you ask yourself, why do I still have to live in this sin-stained, broken world? Now, I understand that question because I certainly want to stand before Jesus because I know I can say when that day comes that my faith was in Him, that I couldn't have done it myself. But let me remind you of this. As you ask yourself maybe that question, why do I still have to live in the sin-stained world? Jesus came here. God in the flesh came and put up with this world for 33-ish years to save us. He came to this world and died in this world to overcome this world. And now he's called you and I to share this gospel with others who are walking in disobedience, as we see in the Great Commission in Matthew 28. Aren't you glad that some other saved person was stuck around here on this earth to share the gospel with you? Aren't you glad that God left somebody behind here and kept them in this broken world experiencing all the things that they had to experience so that you could come to know Jesus as your Savior? Aren't you glad that while you were still sinning, Christ had mercy on you and patience toward you so that you might come to know Him at whatever point someone stepped out in obedience to lead you towards Him? 2 Peter 3.9 says, The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us were not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Aren't you glad that someone else was here to share God's goodness with you? Let me re also remind you, while you may ask yourself that question of, why am I still here? Why do I still have to experience this? That you are still sinning to this day. Unfortunately, you didn't stop sinning when Jesus came into your heart. I sure hope that you realize your sin. I sure hope that you see it, that it's apparent and before your face by the conviction of the Holy Spirit that is within you. But the sin nature is still carrying along with us. And you and I, as we live on this earth, as we still live in this broken earth, we still face consequences for our sin. We will one day, if the Lord does not return, we still face death. We still have the consequences of our sin. If you rob a bank, you go to jail. Accepting Jesus into your heart isn't a free pass to sin. Paul takes care of that um, in a couple different places. We've talked about that before. As Proverbs 6, 27 tells us in reference to adultery, but really we can see this in every area of sin or every sin, it says, can a man take fire in his bosom and his clothes not be burned. You've ever heard that saying, you play with fire, you get burned. Don't play with fire. Galatians 6-7 speaks of this as well. Be not deceived, God is not mocked. 
For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Despite this, you and I as believers, those of you who know Jesus as your Savior, can have peace in trial. Why? Three things. Number one, our Savior has overcome this world. As we read in John 16, uh, let's back up and reread it. In verse 32, it says, Behold, the hour cometh, yea, is now come, that ye shall be scattered, every man to his own, and shall leave me alone, and yet I am not alone, because the Father is with me. These things I have spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. The one who we place our trust in, the one who we hand over the control of our lives to, has already overcome this world. And so while we might walk through it, we know that we will not be defeated by it. The second thing is that when we face trial, if we let God work in us in the midst of that trial, we will be strengthened on the other side of it. James 1, uh, turn with me there, James 1 Verses 2 and 4 says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. If we, when we face trial, not if, but when we face trial, if we let God work in us, we will be strengthened. Our patience will grow. And number three, even when we sin and face consequences or discipline, whatever it might be, we can know that our Heavenly Father loves us. Turn over a few pages to chapter 12 of Hebrews and look at verse 6. For whom the Lord loveth, he chastiseth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. The Lord loves those whom he disciplines. Now, the discipline of the Lord is scary in a way, but we can be comforted in it, not afraid, because he does it for our benefit because he loves us. He wants us to turn and follow him. Now that we have that in mind, that we're still going to face trials and temptations in this world of brokenness and world of sin, and yes, we can still have peace in that trial Let's take a look at a little bit of our responsibility in all of this. Number one, peace is a fruit. Now, look at Galatians 5, 22 and 23. In this book we see, or in these verses we see where it says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, against such things there is no law. This list is an evidence board for you and I. You have the Spirit living in you. You should see these things in your life. You should see love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, and so on. If you see these things in your life, you should know that it is the Spirit working in you and through you in the lives of other people. And Peace is listed as one of these things. Therefore, peace is something that you and I can only have through the work of the Holy Spirit in us. It's not something we can create for ourselves. No amount of money will create a bubble of peace like that that the Holy Spirit creates in us when he comes to dwell inside of us. As I mentioned earlier, our fruit comes as a result of our connection to Christ. He is the vine, we are the branches. So what we're talking about here is not a peace 
with God, but a peace from God that stems with what has already been established as a peace with God. What we're talking about tonight is that peace from Him because we've already been established and rooted in Him. This isn't something that the world can give you. You can't get this from the world. This, this kind of peace is something that is only given to us by God. John 14, we see uh, Jesus says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Jesus gives us a peace beyond what this world gives. And how do we receive it? Our connection to him. Philippians 4, 6-7 through 7 tells us, Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which surpasseth, which patheth, passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Do you see it? Our peace in this sin-stained world is directly linked to our relationship with Jesus. When we're separated from him as believers, we've been neglecting maybe the promises and truth that he has revealed to us. We're living as somebody who's voluntarily blind and deaf. We're turning our eyes to the word that he says we can find peace in. But if we're sowing obedience, if we're faithfully cultivating the relationship with Jesus, we will be reminded of the promises that he gives us when trials come. We will hold on to him in those trials, and we will be refreshed and steadfast despite what is going on around us. We are the ones with the fruit issue, not Jesus. Jesus doesn't have a fruit issue. You and I have an obedience problem. Our peace in trial is dependent upon our cultivation of the relationship with Christ. Our peace with God is dependent upon Jesus' work on the cross, but our peace in trial is dependent upon our cultivation of the relationship. So with that in mind, my encouragement to you is to cultivate the relationship. It's to be intentional about what you do with your relationship with Jesus. Now there's some pretty simple things. They're not hard things to do, but because of our sin nature, they become hard things to do. Number one, read his word. Psalm 119, 165 says, Great peace have those who love your law. Nothing can make them stumble. Number one, read his word. Get connected to him. Know him. Learn him. That second thing, know him. Set your mind on him. Isaiah 26, 3 says, You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Lastly, be obedient to him. Put what you learn about him into practice. One way you can do that is be a peacemaker. Matthew 5, 9 says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called children of God. As a child of God, this is who we are. We are peacemakers. What does that mean? Number one, we help others to have peace with God. Peace is first and foundationally, first and foremost, internal and spiritual. You and I, for us to have peace in this world, we need to have peace with God. So does our neighbor. Therefore, our first and foremost responsibility is the ministry of reconciliation. And it's given to us in 2 Corinthians 5.18 and Matthew 28. We see it over and over again. Go and preach the gospel. You can show someone else the way to be saved. 
how to be reconciled to God. Romans 10.9 is a great way to start. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Tell somebody that today. Tell somebody the way to know Jesus as their Savior. No amount of right is going to get you into heaven. No around, but at the same time, no amount of wrong can keep you out. How incredible is that truth? It's all about faith in Christ. And you and I have an obligation, responsibility, but also a privilege to share that with other people. If it doesn't bring you peace that there's not a thing you can do to earn your way to heaven, I don't know what will. That's why the prosperity gospel or salvation by works is such bad news. Really not, it's really not good news because they believe salvation depends upon their works, then every day is just a roller coaster of emotions. Every day is a roller coaster of, am I going to get in or not? But what we know to be true from God's word is that our salvation depends solely upon the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. That's good news. That it's out of our hands. That it is only faith in him that we must do. That brings peace. Be a peacemaker and tell somebody about Jesus. The other way that we can be a peacemaker is to comfort others in trial. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 and 6. It says, Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and the God of all comfort, who comforteth us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also aboundeth, aboundeth by Christ. As you have suffered trial after trial in your life, and as you have faithfully stood on the promises through the fire, walk with other people through their fire. If you aren't doing this, let me ask you a question. Are you so shallow in your faith that you are unable to walk through the fire with somebody else? Are you faithless? Are you unable to comfort someone else in their trials because you don't know the promises of God? You don't know what's actually going on in Scripture to be able to point them to the hope that they can have in Jesus. I hope that as we've gone through this series that you know some of these promises of God better. That you can point somebody to how they can have peace with God and peace from God in their trials. Enough that you might be able to help someone through their fire. If you're struggling today to hold on to the peace of God, let me remind you of this promise. No matter what this life throws at us, one day those of us who know Jesus will stand before him. Well, we will all stand before him. But those of us who know Jesus as our Savior, it's going to be joyous. Right? It's going to be a wonderful thing. We have nothing to fear and in Revelation 21.4, we're given this hope. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. We will have everlasting peace in eternity. While we still struggle through this life to hang on to the promises, while we struggle to maybe remain faithful at some times, and maybe struggle through this life to help others while we're limping ourse ourselves, one day 
It's all going to pass away. We're not going to have to struggle anymore. We're going to stand face to face with him, and it's going to be a joyous thing. It is going to be a peaceful thing because there's not going to be any more sin. And so if there's one promise to hold on to, to remind you that you can have peace or to give you peace in the midst of trial, it's that this trial is only temporary. But if you know Jesus as your Savior, peace in eternity is just that. Peace for eternity. It will never end. And we will always be standing before him in peace. Let's close in a word of prayer and then we'll get into our prayer time tonight. Lord God, we thank you that you are a God that sent your Son to establish an opportunity, Lord, a free gift of salvation to all who would repent, all who would turn and follow you. Lord God, I thank you that through that we can withstand any trial because there's nothing that can separate us from you. Lord, we love you. We ask as we go into this prayer time tonight that all would be said and done for your glory. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, that's all for today. I hope this has made a positive impact in your relationship with Jesus. And if it has, please give us a five-star rating on whatever platform you listen on and share with a friend so others might be encouraged as well. If you have never accepted Christ as your Savior and would like to know how, give one of our pastors a call at 301-724-5876. We would love nothing more than to hear from you. We hope to see you soon, and until next time, stay faithful.